You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are soaked out of our minds to have each and every one of you tuning in today. And whether you are a first time listener or you're back for the 50th time, if you like what you're hearing, we would love to have you subscribe. And also reviews really do help a ton. Now, all right, today's guest is one of our best friends in the photography industry, none other than Don freaking Charles. Don is an Oregon-based wedding photographer and business educator. She's a California girl at heart, wife to the cutest police officer in town, her words, not mine, <laughs> and mom to her two favorite little girls in the world. At home in Bend, Oregon, you can usually find her playing with her kids or defending herself in Nerf gun fights against her husband or traveling the world photographing weddings. As Dawn grew her wedding photography business, she eventually navigated into offering education to other photographers with workshops, educational guides, and presets, the last of which she's known for. You've probably heard of her presets, DC presets. So we focused a huge portion of our chat today on how she defined her style, what you have to know before creating and selling presets, certain Lightroom tools she uses that people might not know, and lots more. If you are ready to talk to the queen of photography herself, then let's get to it. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Don, we are so stoked to have you on the show. Welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. This is just the best day. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here, you guys. We love oh, you. Oh my gosh, this we is going to be good. So much. <laughs> we were just having a fangirl fest before we started recording. Um, yes, so I've been fangirling you guys for a long time. Uh, we have also been fangirling you for a much longer time than I promise you have fangirled us. Uh, but, I'm very um, honored. <laughs> but we are stoked to have you. You are just like a photography queen. You are just like the most amazing person. So if oh anybody God. that's listening doesn't know you, please let us know. Tell us your story. Just share a little bit about yourself and how you became Don Charles that you are known today. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I'm 29. I was born and raised in Southern California. And a few years ago, my husband, Tommy and I moved to Bend, Oregon to start a family. Um, and now we live here with two little girls and I'm at home most of the time with them, but also running an online educational business for photographers. That's so cool. <laughs> you go. Well, I would love to hear, like, how did you get started into wedding photography then? Like, what's your journey of becoming Don Charles photographer and photography educator extraordinaire? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I've always been interested in art and I've always known that I wanted a career that allowed me to be creative. So I just didn't really know what that looked like at the beginning. And I took a photography class in high school and just fell in love with it. So I decided to pursue that as my major in college. So my parents bought me my first DSLR as my graduation present. 
And then that summer, I somehow got asked to shoot a wedding, which is like a complete joke because I probably hadn't even attended a wedding since I was like a flower girl as a child. <laughs> so I don't know like what they were thinking and bless that couple. And those photos are just gems. But um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I like didn't even know like what happens at a wedding. So I was just lost that whole day. But um, basically, I went on to study photography in college. And at that point, I kind of thought, I wanted to shoot for National Geographic or even work in the film industry just so that I didn't have to like pose people. Like, I think that's what scared me. And I was like, I'm just going to shoot landscapes and travel. And after a lot of portraiture assignments in college, I started kind of falling in love with shooting people. And my roommate at the time was a fashion design major. So I would shoot her designs and then I would use her kind of as my subject for all of my projects. So she started sharing these photos on her like Facebook and her friends started reaching out asking if I did engagement sessions and weddings. And of course I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, please don't ask me these things. And (laughs) I had no formal training in the business side. So I was at a complete loss for like what to charge, how to post people, how to build a website, anything like that. Like we did not learn that stuff in school. So I was scrambling a little bit and just started Googling everything and watching YouTube videos because at that time there were very few online resources for photographers. So Mm -hmm. I was just trying to figure out how to even go about these shoots. And long story short, I stumbled across this internship with one of my favorite wedding photographers. So I quit my two jobs when I got it. And um, I went all in with learning the business side with her and started shadowing her and second shooting for her and her friends. And after interning for her and second shooting all summer, my following summer just booked up with weddings and then it all went on from there. So that's pretty much how it all started. Oh wow. my gosh. I love you. Just are so inspiring. Oh. And I, I almost feel like I can see somehow, I don't know how this makes sense, but I feel like your work, I can almost see that you started like with like the fashion design of like you you would like take photos of her fashion designs. I feel like I can see that now because there's some like element of like fine art, like elegance, but like fashion in your work. I don't even know, but it's just. That's so interesting. I've never heard that before, but that, I mean, it does make sense because all through school, everyone was like, you don't need to be getting a degree in photography if you want to be a wedding photographer. Like, what are you doing here? And I tried to incorporate the fine art stuff, but every time my professor would be like, well, what's the concept behind this? Like, it's a beautiful portrait, but I don't, what does it mean? And I'm like, it doesn't mean anything. As long as you think it's beautiful, it's fine. So maybe that's (laughs) a mesh of those two things. So thank you. That's amazing. Okay. Well now you offer workshops, you have presets, you have educational guides, like you are the education queen in the photography industry. And at what point did you transition into providing education in addition, addition, addition to just wedding photography? Like how did you know you were ready? Because I feel like that's a common thing in especially photographers or any industry when they want to like bounce into bounce <laughs> into education. They, <laughs> I feel like you almost deal with that struggle of like, how do you know I'm ready? Um, or how do I know I'm ready? So what would you, how did that happen for you? Totally. Yeah. It kind of happened slowly and organically. I feel like it was never really the plan going in, but I did come from a huge family of teachers. So I kind of always had that passion or just thought in the back of my mind of maybe one day when I get burnt out on weddings, like I'll be a grandma teaching like a high school photography class. Um, (laughs) and online teaching wasn't really in my head because it wasn't as much of a thing back then. 
Um, so it kind of started with teaching mentor sessions after college since I had this formal training from school and I had learned so much from the internship I did. I've, I kind of always had this urge to pay it forward because I learned so much from my mentor when I interned that I always wanted to be that person for other people because I knew without her, I like would have been scrambling so much and taking so much longer to learn everything on my own. So I always had that desire to educate others and help others at the beginning stages of their business. And I feel like the big transition for me when it really took off as far as online education was when I started selling presets. So I had studied editing in college and was just really fascinated by it. So I spent a lot of time in school and on my own, just learning Lightroom and practicing editing, which led into me creating my own presets and then starting to listen to the needs of this audience who now trusted me as like an educator and as an editing like (laughs) example, I guess. And so just after listening to what their needs were, I did my best to meet them with online education. And in doing that, I kind of discovered that that was something I was really passionate about. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Did you feel like the fear of like not being ready or anything ever held you back when you were kind of starting to get into like education? Was there any like fear there, I guess is the question. Yes, totally. And I think I still struggle with that. And I think that's something I'm constantly dealing with is, am I like the expert at this? Or there's so many other people doing the same thing. Is there really a market for this? But I think that it has kept me going knowing that I have a specific audience that trusts me, that has a relationship with me, and I have something unique to offer. And I think that's my encouragement for everyone who wants to be an educator or, um, teach something is that you have like a unique story and a unique style. And, um, just because you might not be the best of the best or the expert in your field doesn't mean that you don't have something that people want to hear. Okay. Go off. Go (laughs) off. Literally (laughs) that I just want to reiterate that for anyone that was listening, you have a story to tell you are unique. And just because Joe down the street or Jane down the street is teaching like that doesn't mean that you can't step up to the table because you have something. To, yeah, literally everything that Dawn just said. Literally, the, oh my gosh! So <laughs> just mic drop. End of episode. Great having you, Dawn. <laughs> oh man. Well, you kind of talked about your unique style. So let's talk about style and like specifically editing because you have such an expertise in editing and like you're known for your edits, for your presets, for all of that. How did you first find kind of what felt like your style of editing when you were getting started and getting into this? Yeah. Um, sometimes I feel like I still don't have my style hundred percent nailed down just because it's always evolving. But I think that the evolution of your style is something that's good and something that keeps you growing as an artist. But I guess when I felt like I was finally at a place that I was no longer using other presets as a base and I was no longer hopping around from style to style and being inconsistent with my work. It was probably when I felt like I had found it. And I remember before that I was just trying everything and my work was really inconsistent because I just didn't know what my style was. So I was never really happy with any presets that I had purchased and Back then it was like just Visco. They didn't really have like presets made by other photographers, which I remember thinking that would be such a dream if like this person would just sell their presets because I love their style. I just don't know how to achieve it. So because that wasn't available, I spent a lot of time 
studying photos and edits that I loved and just seeing if I could use my formal training in Lightroom to achieve different looks. Like if I could look at their greens and see if I could get them to look similar, or if I could look at skin tones in a photo and see if I could match those. So it was really just learning the ins and outs of the software, which was really key in getting the edits to a place that I wanted them that I felt like it was unique and that worked for me consistently. So that's kind of when I felt like I really nailed it down just after years of messing around and studying and finally getting something that worked consistently for me. That's fascinating. Well, because you are literally so good at just pre- your presets are so versatile. And I I didn't know that you had like formal training in editing, but I feel like that makes so much sense because oh, you just have a mad, like you are so good. <laughs> at the, the queen. Thank yeah. you. Well, diving kind of into editing a little bit, are there any tips or tricks that you can give our listeners about editing? Um, Just like tools and Lightrooms that you use daily that people might not know about. Obviously, this isn't a visual, this is a podcast, but I mean, mostly around the board, people use, or sorry, people use Lightroom um, if they're photographers. And so just any tips or tricks that you could give in the editing world? Yes. Um, I have so many and it is hard to explain them without showing a visual example, but I would say an overall tip is that less is more. And I would just err on the side of being subtle because in the long run, it will be more flattering and timeless. So for example, I bring my contrast and saturation below zero. And I feel like when I was first editing, I was like, everything needs more contrast, more saturation, like more color. And I think just being subtle will just last longer and like stay in the test of time. Um, another would be to really play around with HSL sliders. And, um, I think that that is something that can really transform your images as far as correcting things like greens Mm -hmm. and skin tones. Like that's the first place I go. If I feel like my skin tones look off or my blues look too bright or my greens look weird or whatever, HSL sliders will fix and make magic out of all of those things. But then they're also a huge, a huge factor in defining your style. So you can really get unique and specific with all of those tones in HSL sliders. And you can take a preset as a base and then really make it your own with those. Yeah. Um, I feel like I, I tweak an HSL slider like on every single photo I edit pretty much. I feel like that's where I go. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's literally, if, if anyone listening has not found their HSL sliders or use them regularly, like those things are magic and being able to like a skin, you know, the skin tones, Oh, maybe a little bit too like deep or dark or something like pull up your orange, like luminance. And like, there is so much that you can tweak within those little sliders that will make or break your image. So Wait, should we, should we define HSL for the people that don't know what that means? Oh yeah. Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> so HSL stands for hue, saturation, luminance, and you'll see in your panel, a lot of colored sliders. So hue, you can change reds to be more orange or more like purple or magenta. And then you can change. So you're basically changing the color of each hue and then, or I guess the hue of each color. I don't know the proper way of saying that. And then, um, in saturation, you can take up or down the saturation or brightness or vibrancy, I guess, of each hue. So you can make the reds more saturated. So it's, uh, kind of like going into each color and tweaking them individually rather than just bumping up your saturation as a whole. And then luminance, you can bring up the brightness of each color so you can make the reds or greens or yellows or whatever brighter or darker. 
Ugh. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> okay. I want to talk to you specifically about like unique editing styles because a lot of people have different unique editing styles, which is the beauty of having so many different photographers and different styles out there. But as the editing queen, in your opinion, <laughs> are there like some editing styles or looks that you would advise like your students or people in general to stay away from? Yes. Um, I agree. I also love that there are so many different styles out there. I feel like it with so many photographers out there, it really helps to differentiate different artists, but I would advise staying away from one, anything that doesn't feel true to you. So if you're using a preset just because it's popular and it's trendy and it's what everyone else is using, but it, you just feel like it doesn't fit your aesthetic. Um, it's probably not right for you and that's okay. And there are plenty of other presets out there, or it just might take a lot of tweaking in order to get it to feel something that is authentic to you. And then also staying away from anything that looks overly edited. So there have been trends for really dark and moody edits or really, I remember when greens used to be gray or really overly, overly warm images. And I think all of those are okay if that's authentically your signature style, but I would encourage you to stay away from those if they're not, if you're just following them because they're a trend. So think about your client's perspective and the big picture and in the long run, because you want to create something where your images will depict how the moment actually looked like you're not changing their skin tone or changing the color of their bridesmaid's dress because they picked those out for a reason. You don't want them to look overly edited where people are seeing the edit rather than the moment. And you also want to think, how are these images going to look in an album 10, 20, 50 years from now being shown to their grandkids? Like, are they going to see this like really outdated edited photo? Or are they going to just focus on the actual moment? Oh, wow. Oh, that's, that's so good because I think a lot of edits are trendy at, at certain times. And I, I love the advice that you just said because I've never thought about it as like picturing like my grandchildren looking at a wedding album like years from now or any, not my grandchildren, anybody's grandchildren looking at, yeah. at a wedding album. And it's like, oh, if is it like really, really like so dark and moody that it's like a black like forest <laughs> or something yes. like that where it's, it's very obvious that it was trendy maybe in the moment. But really, I think it's, I think it's also possible to have a, a look that feels you, but then also can be timeless. Right. Yes. Does Instagram scare the heck out of you? Feeling like you're always struggling to save time on the good old gram while also creating flawless branded professional content for it? We feel you. We have made a special little something just for you. We created a PDF with our top five apps we use in conjunction with Instagram to create smooth, professional content while saving us time and energy. This is a list compiled after years of using Instagram and searching for all the secret pro tools to make our jobs easier. If you've ever wondered, how the heck did she do this? Or how did she make that? It's probably answered by one of these apps. There are little secret sauce to spicing up your Instagram. We use these apps daily and they've absolutely changed the game for us. So if you're ready to uplevel your Instagram and create pro content with just a few clicks, we got you. Head on over to www.theheartuniversity.com apps and let's uplevel that Instagame. That's A-P-P-S, y'all. 
Hey, Heart Fam, we had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you get paid, aka my favorite part, (laughs) HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. Okay, Don, I have another question that kind of goes along with editing and styles and stuff. Your edits or your style, I guess, has evolved over time. Has there been an instance that kind of like made you reevaluate your edit or just how has your editing evolved over time from your perspective? A hundred percent. So I actually released presets back in 2016 and I want, I released a couple packs that year and I kind of, at that point, didn't know a ton about creating presets for the masses. I didn't, I just knew about creating presets for myself. And I think I made the mistake of not doing enough research on different camera gear and, um, just different photographers shooting styles. So I ended up I guess, discontinuing those presets just because I was running into a lot of problems when people with Sony was using them or whatever. So I came out with a second edition or second round of presets. And that time I made sure to just reevaluate what is going to work long-term, what is going to work on a huge variety of shooting styles and camera gear and all those things. So I did a lot of research on how the presets work on different gear. And then was really intentional after having a situation with a client who came back and they were like, I love the edits, but the blue suits look black and my colors look a little different in my flowers and in my bridesmaids dresses. And I was like, first, I think I took that as like, Oh, I'm like offended that you don't like my editing style. Why'd you hire me? But then I was like, you know what? Like she totally has a point. Like her clothes that she chose for her wedding should absolutely look like how they did in real life. So I made sure to create something that would truly and accurately represent what things looked like in real life while still having an artistic spin on it. Um, so those were my main focuses in creating these second rounds of presets. Mm. Uh, that's so that's cool. The, yeah. <laughs> the fact that you've like, I don't know, learned and, and grown and evolved. I think that's something that like you and I have talked about a lot, Dawn, on like in the process of creating presets is creating something that's p- other people can use and tweak and edit. And it's like a base for them. It's not like this 
you know, this works for me. So therefore this must work for everyone else. Like that was something that you told me that was just like, oh, that's a good thing to keep in mind. Like there are a lot of other shooting styles. People don't always shoot the same exposure or settings that like I do in camera or, you know, they're shooting different completely different like backgrounds or scenarios and lighting situations with different camera gear. Like I think that experience that you've had with creating not only just your style, but also a preset that's versatile for other people as well has just been so cool to like lean on and pull on (laughs) of like your expertise. So I love, love, love that. And with that, I would love to talk a little bit more about presets because Duh, you are the queen of presets. Um, I mean, that's not even a question, so don't laugh. And then a a lot of people are starting to make like presets as a form of passive revenue, which we think is incredible. It's awesome. But with that, Don, you and I have talked a lot about this of like misconceptions that people have about creating presets or misunderstandings of what the process looks like or how you can or can't do it. And some of the legalities of basing your preset on somebody else's or whatever. So talk to us about some of those misconceptions or mistakes or things that you think people should know about creating and selling presets before they dive into selling them. Yes. Um, Absolutely. I think it is an incredible way to create passive revenue and it has literally been life-changing and business-changing for me and my family. However, I don't think that it's necessarily right for everyone. I think that there's a misconception that if you make a few tweaks to a preset, then all of a sudden it's your preset and you can sell it now as your own. And I've seen people do this and get into legal trouble with it because they're essentially selling someone else's intellectual property. So that can be a really sticky situation, obviously. And like I said, I think it's great for people out there who have like truly studied and mastered editing and who have been editing with something that is 100% their own preset from scratch, not a tweaked version of someone else's. But if that's not the case, there are so many other areas where people can earn passive income instead of creating presets. So I think instead of creating presets just to get that passive income, I think if you're already doing it, your presets are already your own, you've already mastered editing, great, monetize that. But if that's not the case and you just want to find a passive revenue stream, then I would go another route in maybe teaching something that you're an expert in in your industry. Mm, I love that because presets, I mean, I've talked to you about this a little bit, but creating a preset from scratch is a lot of work, right? Yes. Like talk, talk to us a little bit about like if somebody did decide, if they're listening have worked with somebody else's preset, but they really are passionate about creating a certain preset maybe that they haven't been able to find on the market or something like that. They want to create a preset like from scratch. What would you have to say to that person? I would say recognize the adjustments that you are consistently making when you are using a preset of someone else's and maybe pull inspiration from that preset that you've been using. So maybe you notice that they desaturate their blues or they crush their highlights or whatever it is that you are always drawn to. And that's the reason you like that preset, but then use those unique things that you are doing to make it your own, or maybe that you're using just to correct it for your shooting style and like kind of expand on that and use those as what's going to be a base and make it unique. And then also pull inspiration from other places. So don't use all of your inspiration coming from one person's preset. Maybe study other images and notice that while you like what came from this preset you were using and you like these tweaks you're making, you also love that 
this photographer has blue in their highlights or whatever, and try to mesh all of those inspirations together and then really test that out on hundreds of photos and ask people to give your, give their photos to you so that you can test them out on different gear and different shooting styles and see what you are constantly noticing as a problem. So if you're trying them on different people's photos and you see, oh, the skin is always looking a little red or I'm always bringing the contrast down, then just minorly make tweaks to those little areas until you find something that is a happy medium enough where each time you apply it to a new photo, all you're really adjusting is the basic panel and it's working as a great base so that it's not looking crazy extreme on one photo and perfect on another. You want something that's going to look pretty good from the start on each photo and then might need a minor adjustment to exposure and contrast and white balance or something like that. Okay, that's so helpful. I, <laughs> I kind of have a follow-up logistical question that's not on our notes, but that's just like based off of that. Like logistically, because I am like a dummy and I know that there's other people out there that are dummies. Logistically, when making presets and you're testing them on a bunch of different photos like Sony or Canon or Nikon or whatever, what like logistically, say you pulled in a Nikon photo and you try it out on there or try it out on like 20 or 50, 100 Nikon photos. (laughs) Like how are you logistically like saving it or tweaking it? Because obviously in Lightroom, you could like make anything a preset and like multiply it by 10 or like have 100 presets in your preset section. But like logistically, how do you go about like testing and and I guess trying them out and tweaking them and then like saving them as like the master preset, if that makes sense. Right. So I will, my whole process kind of starts from, um, I don't know if this is part of the question, but I'm just going to say it. Um, so like when else I'm kind of always like working a pack ahead then. So I have two packs out right now. Maybe by the time this comes out, I might have three. Um, I'm working on releasing my third pack right now. And I'm kind of always like working on that next pack just by seeing what tweaks I'm making consistently and then kind of saving those as a new preset. So I'll have like DC pack three question mark. And it's like, okay, this might go towards my next pack because I noticed that now I'm really drawn to more green or more like warmth in the highlights or whatever. So it kind of just starts slowly where I'm like, I like this like new thing I'm doing. So let's just update that preset a little bit. And then I'll find something new that I'm really into and I'll update it a little more. And then when I decide that I'm going to start working on that pack as a whole, I will use that base. And so it'll come from one of my previous, previous packs and then I'll evolve it even more. And as far as testing it on different camera bodies and stuff, I don't even look necessarily at what uh, camera body I'm currently editing. So I'll just have like a mesh of tons of photographers images that I've asked for in my library. And a lot of times I won't even know if it's Nikon or Canon, but I will notice like, okay, I can see once I apply this, I'll apply it to 10, 20, whatever, 30 photos and see, okay, every single time I do this, it's looking a little too saturated. So I'll just bump the saturation down a teeny tiny bit and then just right click on my preset and click update with current settings. And then, and I won't make any adjustments to white balance or the basic panel at that point. And then I'll keep applying it with that new update and see like, okay, consistently across the board, or at least on 75% of these photos, the greens look too desaturated or something that I noticed. So I'll just make a tiny slight adjustment to that thing and then right click and click update with current settings. 
And that's kind of how it will slowly get modified so that it works on a wide variety of images. Does that answer your question? Yeah, totally. Well, and I love that you test it like on a lot, like a mass amount of different ones and you don't necessarily know which one, but then you can like tweak it slightly and then like apply to all of them. That That's so smart. I'm fascinated by that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so cool to kind of hear. It's techy. But it's so good. (laughs) Which is funny because I never would think of myself as a techie person, but I guess I am. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, Don, I would love to hear, like, for the photographer out there who is struggling to find their editing style, what would you have to say to that person? Oh, man. That I was definitely there, too, for a long, long time. So I don't think that it happens overnight. and. I would say that you don't have to be the same as your favorite photographer. So even if you have people that you're inspired by, your work doesn't have to match them. And that's why they are so great is because they've found something unique and stepped into that. So I would just take those as inspiration, but not as something to necessarily strive for. And then really just play around and get used to the software and take educational classes and um, just mess around until you feel like it's something that you're consistently happy with and not looking back and re-editing old work every couple months because that's something I was totally doing all throughout college. And it took a long time to get out of that. But you'll slowly find like kind of how I said how I will go through and I'll notice one little thing and I'll update my preset and then I'll notice another tiny little thing and I'll update my preset just by little increments. That's kind of how you can develop your style over time. It might be months at a time before you find that little thing that you need to tweak and update. But over time, you'll slowly step into something that is unique for you and you'll feel more confident as an editing style that is completely your own. Brilliant. Oh, wow. that's so good. <laughs> listen to Dawn. <laughs> yeah, literally listener. <laughs> Switching out of presets though, and just kind of going into business in general, this is kind of a big question. So you can take as long as you want. Um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll cut it for the listeners if you need okay. to take it. <laughs> um, but what is your biggest lesson you have learned in your business? We like to ask that question to all of our guests because everyone has different wisdom and insight. And so what would your answer be to that? Um, that I don't have to appeal to everyone. And I didn't miss a beat because I've been asked this question before and it's forced me to sit down and think about it, but it has been something that I have taken a long time to learn, but as an Enneagram nine, I, uh, and just a naive business owner in the early days, I wanted to be the right fit and appeal to every single person, whether that was every single bride or have the right presets for everyone's style. And I think in doing so, I wasn't truly being my full self and I wasn't taking as many risks as I could have. So I think that just learning that I could be authentic and I was okay with repelling a certain audience um, that wasn't right for me helped me really step into who I was as just a person and a business owner and connect with people who really, truly connected with me. Um, that's when my business really started thriving. Mm, Freaking claps for days. That was so <laughs> good. People need to just hear that gold because that is a marketing, branding, business gem of advice. Ugh. I love it. Don, you're amazing. For oh, anyone who is <laughs> as obsessed with you as we are um, 
and wants to just now see your presets or learn from you with all the education that you offer or just follow along on everything that you do, where can everyone find you online? So my photography account is dawn.charles on Instagram. And then my main website is dawncharles.com. My preset Instagram is DC presets. And my educational website is dawncharleseducation.com, which is also where my presets are. Perfect. (laughs) It's very streamlined. It's great. (laughs) I was like, here are all the places. One, two, three, four. (laughs) Yeah, and we will uh, link all of those places in our show notes as well. So that yeah. way people can just click on them and make it easy. <laughs> I love it. Dawn, thank you so, so much for giving us your time today and your expertise and being here and being like an industry friend who's just so freaking cool and <laughs> we can fangirl over. And <laughs> you're just amazing. And we're so grateful we got to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. It was so fun chatting with you.